In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, Then the King will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You may be seated. You know, the scriptures are pretty clear. In fact, they are clear. Jesus will come. He will judge all people on the last day. All nations will be gathered to himself. The Bible teaches this in numerous passages. And as such, all three of the creeds and other parts of our Lutheran confessions confess it. We just sang about it in that hymn. It's no metaphor, parable, or any other thing by which we can try to find some wiggle room out of it or interpreting it away. No, Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will judge all people. And so that means he will judge you. This truth is clear, and it will happen. So knowing this, there are two warnings for you today as Christians. The first is to not doubt your Lord comes to judge you. And the second is a warning about the judgment seen by way of the goats. And finally, there is a word of great comfort as you fix your eyes on Christ as his sheep. So let's consider that first point. Jesus is coming to judge. Here again, the words from the gospel reading. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left, are on the left. Your Lord Jesus exhorts you to pay attention. He tells you exactly what will happen. He's not hiding his coming judgment from you, nor is this some secret you must discern. He lays it before you, the eternal comfort and reward for those who have done as he said. And likewise, he reveals the eternal wrath and agony for those who despised his word. So you know you'd think that that would stir everyone into taking this seriously. You'd think that. You'd think that'd be the case. But since the fall into sin, man is by nature not bright. He's lost that perfect knowledge, fear, and trust of God. He thinks he can dismiss it or write it off. But God's, this happens. God's word is mocked and sinful man thinks he can somehow pull one over on God and somehow is free from what it says. Now, the Bible has some terms for those who think this way. One is a fool, and another is a scoffer. That epistle let us send from 2 Peter teaches you this about scoffers, as you heard a few minutes ago. Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things were continuing as they were from the beginning. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So the scoffer looks at these things, he thinks about the things of judgment and deliberately overlooks numerous things around him. 
He says, look at how much time has passed. You Christians are believing someone in something you can't see, written so long ago. Sure, okay, buddy. Sure, God is coming. Right. Now, I may do this very bluntly or with a very intelligent-sounding argument and rhetoric. But listen very closely and do not hesitate to heed what your Lord teaches you. The way of the scoffer is the way of death, eternal death. Do not follow in this foolish way. Learn from this to lean not on your own understanding and your own sinful speculations, because they will fail you every single time, and especially in the end. So your Lord warns you. Now, the second warning is by way of the judgment itself. Listen again to what Jesus says. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So your Lord warns you to not be one of the goats, to not be one on the left. Now the question that arises then when you see this laid before you is what's going on and what's the difference between the sheep and the goats, other than there's sheep and there's goats. What is Jesus warning you about? But you see, you know. Jesus tells you. Just as Jesus' coming is not hidden, it's not hidden why they are divided and why the sheep enter eternal joy and the goats into eternal condemnation. The sheep served Christ. The goats did not. The sheep are commended for their good works. The goats are commended, are condemned for their failure. That's the plain sense of the text. That's what God's word says. So confronted with this fact that works seem to be what jumps out as the difference, we're left scratching our heads and placed into a corner with no escape because we're good Lutherans. And we balk at any sense of what sounds like works having some a part of our salvation. But those accusations of the law have a way of doing that. Every mouth and tongue are stopped. Yet we see, like so many things in theology, there is a tension in what Jesus says because we look at the whole of Scripture. So we don't take a passage just like this in isolation. Rather, we take it into account in view of and with the whole counsel of God. That's when things seem to get clearer. So really, in this gospel reading, in some ways, can teach you just as much about biblical interpretation as it does about good works. The reading today is a textbook example of how Scripture interprets Scripture. So looking closer, we see other passages of the scriptures are read with this one in Matthew. So what does God's word say? Well, we know those passages well. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, lest no man should boast. Again, it is written, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 3, it is written, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So the list goes on. There's no shortage of these passages, and there's no doubt what God teaches on this matter. Scripture is clear. 
Salvation is a gift received through faith and is delivered through the means of grace. Martin Luther rediscovered this from the scriptures, and a key passage which set in motion the Reformation was the short passage, Romans 1.17, which quotes from the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. For in, the right, it, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the Bible teaches us about the righteousness which avails before God. The righteous don't live by their works, they live by faith. That's what Scripture clearly teaches. And Scripture also clearly teaches something else with that. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Romans 2 also teaches, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So there are many other passages that say these things as well. So it's with these passages and others that the Athanasian Creed ends with the confession At his, Jesus' coming, all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life. And those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved. So, we are saved by grace alone through faith in Christ alone? Absolutely. So God rewards us for our good works? Yes, he does. Both of those statements are true. And the Bible clearly teaches both of those things. So let's go back then to the gospel reading and listen closely to what Jesus says and what he doesn't say. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So here then, Jesus commended those on his right, the sheep, for their works. But what didn't he bring up? Well, listen to the rest of the reading. When he says those on the left, 
Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he goes on. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. Right? On and on through that. So Jesus doesn't hold the sin of the sheep against them. Rather, he only recognizes their works. In Romans chapter 4, God says, David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So there's something about these sheep. They're covered in something. It's the righteousness of their shepherd. And they're called as such in this text as well. Jesus calls them the righteous. Their lives are lived by faith. And the works they do come as a fruit from the vine to whom they are attached to as branches. But the goats stand condemned in their sin. Their lives are lived apart from faith. Their response to Jesus and the question they ask of him, of Jesus, is a telltale sign as well. It's important what they say. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? So they wanted to live their lives with this expectation that they could be in control and they could do something for Jesus had they known what this is the case. So rather than a fruit of faith, they saw their works as the root and tree of their faith in which they trusted as their foundation. So now then, when confronted with their sin, too, what's their response? It's not to confess it. It's not to throw down at the feet of Jesus and beg for his mercy. No, it's to try and justify himself. You can almost, when you hear that reading, read the smugness in the voice of those goats. They think they're the victim who didn't know they were to do these works and serve Jesus. They think they are still in the right. But dear people of God, hear all of this today and know what your Lord says in this word before you. Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead, and on his judgment, he divides people. So when is this day? You don't know when, but you do know the day is surely drawing near. And God, in his timing, is not our ways. For God, that time is quick. And be it five minutes from now or 500 years from now, the Lord still is coming again, and he is coming quickly. So for you, look at your sin, look at your life, and repent. When you persist in sin, you are rejecting the Lord's forgiveness, and you're wanting Jesus to judge you by it. You're not living in faith, but living a life outside the kingdom of God. The blood of Christ covers your sin and puts it on him who has paid the price for it. But when you want to persist and cling to your sin, you're clinging to the very thing which will condemn you. Repent. You see, when faith is confronted by sin, it confesses it, and it repents. It doesn't try to make excuses in your life, but answers God's judgment with, You're right, Lord. I have sinned. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. So take this seriously and see the future in the gospel reading. Judgment is coming. But you see, here's the thing in all of this, too. As you sit here right now, you know what God will say to you. 
You know what will happen just as surely as you know that he is coming again. And it's this word that guards and keeps you in the faith, which is why it's so eternally deadly to stop hearing what Jesus says. Sheep hear and follow their shepherd. It's not complicated. So what then is that judgment you will hear on that day? This is where you have great comfort. Look and listen, dear saints of God. You're sitting in this place with a baptismal font in front of you, reminding you of what God has done for you and in your baptism. Your sin was forgiven. You were rescued from death and the devil and given eternal salvation. You were clothed with Christ and his righteousness. So what will you hear when you stand before Jesus? It's not a secret. He tells you. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So how do you know this? Well, you've already heard it, and you will keep hearing it this morning. A few minutes ago, Pastor Belcher stood back there and said, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In a few minutes, you will kneel before this very altar and taste what God will say to you on that final judgment day as you take into your mouths the true body and blood of Christ given and shed for you for your forgiveness, life, and salvation. So you know, you know exactly what God will say to you because you see, he's already saying it and he's already giving it. And so your life is hidden in Christ as you have been crucified with him. You are righteous. You are the righteous ones before God's throne because of Christ and his perfect righteous life, his atoning death, and his resurrection from the grave. And his righteousness is counted to you through faith. So see your life differently then as one who has been saved by grace through faith and has been prepared by God to do good works for your neighbor. And yes, dear Christians, God will, will reward you. He will say on that day as well, well done, good and faithful servant. Because he doesn't look at your sin. Covered with Christ, all he sees is his righteousness. So your works in this life then are beautiful and luscious fruit that he produces through his world. When all is through his word, when when all is exposed and all see what you have done in this life, there will be rejoicing that you have served your Lord by serving your neighbor. And you who are in Christ, listen to his commandments, desire what he commands Conform your life to your Lord's word. Let it be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Let his word show you the way through this life which is lived in faith toward him and in love toward your neighbor. Put away all that is false and put on the new life you have been given in your baptism. And take delight too in where God has placed you in this world and do not spurn these callings. Know who you are as first and foremost a sheep who hears the voice of your shepherd. You are a hearer of the word of God for without God's word you do not have Christ and his benefits. Then look where you are in your families and listen to the instruction of God about what it means to be a husband, a father, a brother, a sister, or whatever station you have in this estate. And see your neighbor and see each other as Christ serving one another too as well. And look to your neighbors and those outside and see where God has placed you and confess the faith as salt and light in the world. And do all these things intentionally and with a willing and glad spirit as one who knows Christ, who knows what has been won for you and desires to continue to be a sheep who hears the voice of your shepherd. So what a wonderful reading this is about the sheep and the goats. It's a glorious tension at first that we think it shows, but one by faith you know the resolution answer to it. 
Christ crucified and risen for you is your confidence to face the day of judgment and the reason why the sheep you have eternal life. That's what God says to you even now, this day, dear people of God. The comfort of the gospel is the comfort of knowing your judgment. So look forward to that final day. Pray and yearn for it to come quickly. To know that the Lord doesn't look at your sin, but says to you, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And so, O Jesus Christ, do not delay, but hasten our salvation. We often tremble on our way in fear and tribulation. O hear and grant our fervent plea. Come, mighty judge, and set us free from death and every evil. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard, and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.